Hi guys, this is Betty Wild from Monsters and Mothers. If this is your first time here to the show, we have recently moved to Anchor.com. If you would like to subscribe to all five seasons, please click the link in the bio or visit me at MonstersandMothers.com. and boys, we look up at the glowing angel that gave us life with love and adoration. But for too many, this is not a happy reality. For many, the woman holding us is a true monster. These are their nightmares. Delve deep as we unravel the turbulent bonds between mother and child. You are listening to Monsters and Mothers with your host, Betty Wild. While the world was beginning its confusion of what was about to change everyone's life forever due to the spread of the coronavirus, a little boy named Gannon Stouch, who was only 11 years old, was allegedly murdered by his stepmother, Letitia Stouch. And this is his story. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who has downloaded Monsters and Mothers. I am so excited at the response and we are now starting season two. From the beginning, people did not think Letitia was guilty and groups were forming in her defense and there was also groups forming against her. I was part of the Facebook group that was convinced that it was Letitia and you could not convince us otherwise. We just, we just knew it. We had this feeling that Gannon was reaching out to us. Every time Letitia popped up on the screen, my skin crawled. I knew it was her. And at the time, everyone was still defending her. And God forbid you spoke against the group. You were attacked. And what I noticed is that Gannon reached out to so many people. And I realized that we were all just being pulled to solve this case. His spirit reached millions of people. Now, if you haven't heard about the case or seen the participants, let me say, when you first look at the case, your heart goes out to the family. The pain of losing a child is something close to hell. Now, what we first see is a father who's paunchy, not immediately attractive. He's tight-lipped, and you can tell he is very quiet, almost oddly so. People jumped in saying he had to stay quiet, but I could smell a secret being kept. We'll find out later what that secret was. Now, Letitia, the stepmother, she just looked like a greasy version of a dish towel, and you want to lose it every time you see this woman on the screen. From the very beginning, Letitia's behavior was bizarre. She lashed out on social media, insisting Gannon was still alive, and everyone was being mean to her to suggest that she even had anything to do with Gannon's disappearance. She even went so far as to blame Gannon's mom for bad parenting. Now, here in one of her posts on social media, she posted to her account, which is called T, T-E-E, Stouch. I'm going to go ahead and say this so y'all can delete me. No desperation here, just to show how dumb people are. It's well with my soul, but I've had enough of the lies and threats. Most of y'all in these speculation groups are delusional. She felt the pressure of all the Facebook groups at the time. But they haven't released that because of these wannabe detectives. It's a tactic to keep idiots busy while we find Gannon. Gannon's mom didn't give a shit about him or his sister. 
this was in a post. While they are searching for Gannon, she's attacking the mother. After less than a week after Gannon's disappearance, Letitia Stouch did a bizarre interview with a local Colorado news station. She stood there being interviewed in front of her house, but refused to face the camera or take off her sunglasses. Here's the interview. I am Tisha Stout, which is Gannon's stepmother. Uh, you've been a part of the investigation since the very first time. You were the last person to see him. Is that right? Correct. Uh, what, what did you see when you last saw him? Well, I'm not allowed to talk about anything with the case. I would more so be willing to talk about how the community needs to have faith and continue to work together and not make these false accusations like the things that have been said that I've disappeared from the community. I haven't been there to help, but there's lots of reasons behind that. Uh, reasons like death threats, right? Right. Death threats are one of them. My family's getting lots of death threats. We counted over 20 some death threats already. Um, two, my husband's ex-wife is living in our home and of course I'm not coming home to do these things and to help with the family when I was kind of like told I couldn't. Um, and then many other things that happened with the El Paso County Police Department, you know, and in doing the investigation, I was told I wasn't complying. And could I elaborate on that? Please do. Yes. So I asked for an attorney during the interview uh, and I was denied that by them. I was held because they were blocking the door and I was told I couldn't leave and that if I would have touched them, they would have probably, you know, said I still wasn't complying or said I was, you know, trying to run away or something. But during the interview, I asked several times, could I stop the interview? Could I get an attorney? Could I stop the interview? Could I get an attorney? I was denied. I was told I couldn't get nothing to drink. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I mean, it was continuously that my constitutional rights were violated. And that's why you say that they said then you weren't cooperating with the investigation. That's why they said I wasn't cooperating at that time. Correct. And why did you ask for an attorney at the time? Well, I asked for an attorney at the time because there was one individual, there was two really good detectives. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not, you know, going to talk bad about detectives, but the tactics they started to get when I would answer questions, they try to, you know, they're detectives. They're supposed to twist. The one main goal is to find Gannon. But during that time, some of those things made me feel uncomfortable the way they were saying things. So I immediately stopped and felt like, felt like an attorney would help me with some of the vocabulary and things like that, that I needed help with and understanding some of the things that they were asking. I'm going to shift gears to what has become a huge online presence of people right. obviously trying to do the right thing, mm -hmm. help find Gannon. But at the same time, sometimes it just feels like rumor mongering. Have you seen any of those comments yourself? We have. And see, that's one of the main things we haven't uh, been around in the public eye because we did, I didn't want to expose my family to it if all these things were going on. You know, there was comments about Gannon getting pushed off the hike and there was comments about this and that's just not true. I took care of Gannon for the last two years in our home because his mother didn't want to do it. And I would never, never, ever hurt this child. And I know there's some questions out there about, okay, so tell me what happens. That's up to the investigations when they end up letting you guys know, but I've cooperated with them, even to the point that we were held with a gun and my daughter, a 17 year old who serves our country in the United States Air Force, who has never committed a crime or done anything wrong in her life, was put in handcuffs over the keys that was in her purse so they could take her car. And they weren't in there? They weren't even in her car, I mean in her purse. And they you, were in my pocket. You originally didn't even know it was the uh, law enforcement officer? I didn't know it was a law enforcement officer because when he came out, I guess he was putting his jacket on and it, it wasn't necessarily his fault. He was adjusting and happened to catch me. But I saw the gun and I panicked originally and kind of 
thought, oh gosh, I got the, like, who's this guy? And then once I realized it was the sheriff's office, I was totally okay, but they still had a gun and told me they were going to shoot me. But I was really concerned about my daughter asking why she was being detained in handcuffs and things like that when that shouldn't even happen for a child. That shouldn't happen for someone who was standing inside of a store shopping because we couldn't have any clothes because all of our clothes were here. If we came here and got clothes, you know, we would be harassed. So she went to purchase some underwear and things like that and was putting the handcuffs in the store, you know, and then brought out with men with guns. And there's that that's just not OK. You know, they could have approached me and said, hi, I'm with El Paso County. Can I please get this instead of the way that it happened? I'm just going to take her shot. Doing great. Well, I forgot we're still going to recording. Still can hear you OK. OK, yeah, sounds like we're good. Every once in a while, my mic will get out and I want to make sure that's not going to happen here. Okay. I, I should try and clarify here. Not necessarily crime rates, but the way that people are reacting online to rumors about you with the search. Oh, oh yes. Wow. The rumors have gotten so bad. Uh, I pretty much have been told at least 10 different ways that these people have these conspiracy theories. I guess they watch a lot of law shows and maybe they have all these theories on how um, Gannon is dead. And that's what they're saying. So I'm like, why are you saying Gannon is dead? He is not dead. We are going to find Gannon. And that's the main goal that we all have, my family has. Just because you haven't seen us, we have that same goal. And we've been out searching. My aunt has been out searching. My family has been out searching. We all have been doing that together so that we could protect each other. How does it feel when not only you have a lost child who you are in care of, but then people blaming you for that child not being there? You know, I, I'm just ready for Gannon to come home. Most importantly for him to see his family, but second, I am going to be so ecstatic when I'm able to say to people that I hope they have a really sincere apology for all these theories that have came out online, for all the things they said that I have done or people have done. I just want everyone to know that we're going to find Gannon, and I love him so much. I've helped taking care of him for so long. Can you talk to me a little bit about him? I don't know him. Gannon is so kind and he loves to play video games. That's one of his favorite things. He loves Sonic and Mario and you know, he's always helpful and I, he was always so helpful with the dogs around the house and we have two little cute dogs and he was always like a person I could say, Gannon, can you go do this? And he would do it right away. You know, sometimes with kids we have to remind them and things like that and that's okay, but he was so sweet and able to help anyone. He could notice when you're sick and say, are you okay? And such a kind heart. Um, I know you just said that you can't say anything about the investigation, so you can just say so again if you can't answer this, but is there anything we can hear about the hike? Was there a hike? We don't, that just seems like rumors right now. You know what? Um, could we bring, uh, my daughter up here? Cause she can, she can go and say that, you know, she came home from work after the hike and she can verify that Gannon was at our home. Okay. Yeah. That's fine with me. If she doesn't want to, that's okay, but you're allowed that's to fine. ask her. Letitia then posted a video that went viral on YouTube. It's a disturbing video of her getting upset with Gannon for spilling wax on the floor. You can hear him crying in the video saying he's bleeding. It will make your skin crawl that this helpless little boy has this woman as a caregiver, someone who came into his life and was supposed to love him. Gannon, I promise this is the last time I'm going to ask you. I'm just freaked out, okay? Are you sure you didn't do it on purpose? He did it. Okay, you promise. He promised. Pinky promise. Thank 
Okay. All right. So listen, listen. We're, all right. I'm, we're gonna have to sell stuff to fix it. Okay. So okay. we figure out what we gotta sell. We can sell the sofa. We can sell whatever, cause we gotta get it fixed. So, uh, lady, don't be mad at us and kick aside the house. Okay. <coughs> you got it. Now, according to the leaked affidavit on Sunday, January 26th, Letitia told the police that Gannon knocked over the candle and burned the carpet. But then in a police interview on January 29th, she told the police that she hired a man to come fix it the next day. Maybe she was attempting to back up her story. She told the police about the carpet repairman as an alternative suspect and explained why Gannon's blood was found in the house. Now, you're going to hear even more bizarre details a little later, but for now, what you need to know about what happens again in the next day on January 27th. Gannon and Letitia were home alone together on Monday. His eight-year-old sister was at school, and Letitia's teenage daughter was at work. Gannon's dad, Al, was in Oklahoma with the National Guard, and his biological mom, Landon, was living in South Carolina at the time. Only Letitia and Gannon know what exactly happened that morning, but here, here's what we do know. Based on the arrest affidavit that morning, Letitia texted Al that Gannon was up all night sick to his stomach and was going to make an excuse at work and stay home. Now here, she is saying to Al that she is going to inform the school that she needs to stay at home, but instead of telling them that the reason is because her stepson is sick, she decides to create a monstrous lie to her boss, which gives you a glimpse into this teacher's mindset. She texts her boss that she couldn't come to work because her stepdad had just been hit by a car around 10, 15 a.m. And let me stop here for a second. This is a lie you can't come back from. One might say a lie you never intended to be around for to explain. When, I mean, people are going to ask you, oh, what happened? And they're going to be pouring in all of this concern. I mean, this lie is easily traceable. Why say such a horrendous lie if you ever intended to go back in? I mean, she must have already known what she did and that she was never going back. But of course, in her way, she had to play the victim again. Poor her, poor this, I'm going through this. So that they're so busy worrying about the death of her dad and feeling bad that they're completely distracted by her lie to focus on her not being there. Now, the neighbor surveillance video shows Letitia and what looks like Letitia and Gannon leaving the house in Elle's truck. But Letitia locked her cell phone and left it behind. The affidavit pointed out that because Letitia used her phone nonstop and posted to Facebook and Instagram so much that it was very unusual for her to have locked her phone and it for, for it to be unused and left at home. Now, the Stouch family's home security system registered no movement in the house from 1015 until 2.22. Now, that's really strange that that showed up because that was the exact time that she had said her dad died. And so I'm gonna assume that that's also the exact time that Gannon died. So of course this isn't um, 
This is just me thinking that I think that's what happened. Okay, so her cell phone um, wasn't unlocked until 2.45, which is actually when she arrived back home. When they got home, the security system showed movement upstairs and a lot of movement in the basement, and this is where Gannon's bedroom was. Police believe that Gannon was killed based on the amount of evidence found there. They discovered blood soaked through his mattress, the rug, the carpet pad, and the stain on the concrete under his bed. They found blood on his bedroom walls and a few other places in the house. Now, based on the autopsy's results, they said that a gun and a knife and a blunt instrument was used to kill him. By the time Letitia's eight-year-old stepdaughter came home from school at 3.15, Gannon was already dead. Letitia told her to go outside and play because Gannon was in bed resting. And less than two hours later, Letitia texted her teenage daughter to go to the dollar store, pick up carpet cleaner, vinegar, trash bags, and baking soda. I mean, this is definitely like your basic murder scene cleanup supplies. Okay. And at seven o'clock that night, Letitia called 911 to report Gannon missing. She told police he went to a friend's house around three o'clock and never came home. To quote the affidavit, her story dramatically changes multiple times over the following days. The next morning, Gannon's dad, Al, came back to town. And when Letitia drove to the airport to pick him up, police believed Gannon's body was in the trunk of her car. She parked at the short-term parking lot and rented a car to pick up Al and drive him home you're probably wondering what her explanation was. Did she tell her husband her car was broken or stolen? No. She told him her car wasn't in the garage because she parked it nearby at an elementary school and that she rented a car to pick him up because she thought that they could go looking for Gannon in a car he wouldn't recognize so he wouldn't think that he was in any trouble and run away. Now, me as a mom, I'm like, what? No, what the frick? I mean, what the fucking hell? Why the hell is a child that scared that the sight of you would send them running? I mean, I'd want to know what the hell is going on that, you know, someone who I trust with my child has to play these, you know, Mission Impossible tactics to retrieve my child. Now, at 7 o'clock that same night, she drove back to the airport to pick up her car. She turned off her phone again and drove Gannon's body to a remote area near Palmer Lake, Colorado. Using tracking information from her car, police found a particle board with Gannon's DNA on it in that area on February 15th. She returned the rental car the next morning and Here's a very strange thing about that rental car company. Police got a hold of it, of the car that she rented before anyone else can get to it. And they found blood in the trunk. Now, this blood, it was actually a match to a male, but it wasn't a match to Gannon. So this car rental company has had seen some things. Now, police suspected Letitia from the very beginning. 
On March 2nd, she was arrested in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for first-degree murder and other charges. But it wasn't until March 17th when a road crew in Pace, Florida, found a suitcase thrown off the side of the road on Highway 90. What was left of Gannon's body was inside. His body traveled more than 1,000 miles before she dumped him on her way to Myrtle Beach. Letitia has a long history of lying and blaming anyone and everyone for Gannon's murder. On September 3rd, she told in her interview that she had been covering for the real killers, hoping that the full truth that's not sugar-coated would come out. She said Al owed someone named Edgar money and that Edgar took Gannon, but then in the same conversation, she contradicts herself and points the finger at Al instead. She said Al should be here for manslaughter because it was on January 28th and that's why the police didn't have anything. Albert came in on the 28th from the airport, like in a moment of rage. I mean, I could be on the low end and I could say, you know, he should be here for murder, but I'm not. I'm saying that it should be, I guess, manslaughter would be the thing. And then she keeps running with this new story saying, Albert made a stupid decision. You know, it was, it wasn't, you know, a good situation. So, you know, he told me a story to tell the police, you know, and I just don't know what to say. She said she was scared of Al because he told her that he would pull some strings if she didn't snitch. In May, she complained that she might have PTSD because of her case, saying, you have plenty of time to sit in here and actually like breathe and be able to process it. And because I haven't even went through the emotions of it all, you know. And at the end of February, before she was arrested, she tried scheduling an interview with Nancy Grace to prove her innocence. Oh my God, I would have loved to have been there for that. She said she passed an independent polygraph test. But when police looked into it, they learned that Letitia bought that independent polygraph test from a site called fakepolygraph.com. And you're going to love this. At the people at fakepolygraph.com took one look at the questions she created and refused to send her the results. So she asked them, why? And take a look at this conversation she had with the customer service rep, her. So what do you do now? Just delete it and go on about life and keep the money? Him. Yes, we do indeed. Her. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Goodbye. And then they had, then they gave that polygraph to the police. Two days later, after she reported Gannon missing, the police asked her to come in and answer some questions. To start things off, she was two hours late. She also brought notes with her and kept checking them during the interview. I mean, I guess she probably needed them by now to keep track of her story because her story took another major turn. On that day, she told detectives that she was raped at gunpoint by a man named Eduardo. She said she hired him to come over to fix a carpet that Gannon had burned when he knocked over the candle. But after raping her, he hit her on the head, kidnapped Gannon while she pe was passed out. So they asked her if she wanted to be examined for a rape test kit, and she said no. 
Then police told her that they had a warrant for her DNA. So what did she do? She faked a panic attack and was taken to the hospital. Now, to quote the, the leaked affidavit again, Letitia had a miraculous recovery and managed to leave the hospital without giving up her DNA. Over the next few weeks, she changed her story a few more times. She told her husband she was raped by a different man, and this time the man just laid down in front of her car, and then when she went and she stopped, he jumped in and attacked her and Gannon. Coincidentally, though, this was happening in the same area near Palmer Lake where Gannon's DNA was found. She repeatedly reached out to police asking if she was a suspect as well, and then offering explanations for why Gannon's blood might be found in the house. At this point, I'm assuming that she is just like grasping at straws, thinking that they're closing in on her, and I'm sure that this is, she's coming up with any and every excuse. She told the police that Gannon cut himself while working on projects with Al in the garage, and she told them that he'd hurt himself when he had burnt the carpet with the candle and that he had wiped his bloody hands on the wall afterwards. Police weren't buying anything, she said, and they're building her case against her. Most of the evidence came from her search history, though, starting even before January 27th when Gannon went missing. Here are a few of the most interesting searches that Letitia did before Gannon was murdered. She Googled, I'm overdoing all the work for my stepkids and their mom doesn't help. One day, people will wish they treated you differently. I wonder if my husband's ex-wife is sending me a Valentine's Day card since I raised her kids. It's crappy some parents don't care for their kids or buy them presents. Parenting should be for people, not one. Find real military singles. Find me a rich guy who wants me to take care of his kids. Now, Letitia's been married to Al since 2015. The day he disappeared, Gannon's phone was used to search, can my parents find my phone if it's off? Now, during this search, the way it's written out, there is a period between find my phone and if it's off. Police at the time realized that this, this is the same way Letitia phrased all her search terms on her phone. And this makes sense because Gannon's phone was later found at the house. Okay, now Letitia has tried escaping justice a few times in a few different ways when she was being returned to Colorado to stand trial. She slipped out of her handcuffs near Kansas City and attacked one of the deputies guarding her. She didn't get too far. Her master plan at El Paso County Jail involved using a broom handle and the help of a fellow inmate to bust out through a cell window. And as you can probably guess, the inmate told the guards and Letitia earned herself another charge in early June. On August 12th, she wrote Judge Gregory Werner a four-page letter complaining that her constitutional rights were being violated and that she hadn't been allowed to speak with her lawyers often enough and her phone calls are being recorded. 
She also claims that her treatment is cruel and unusual and a violation of her Eighth Amendment rights. She even said she's getting threats in her peanut butter because, as she says, I provided evidence, evidence that will show it was who it was through my P.I. She also made sure to let the judge know that she has a doctorate degree in education, which is also a lie. She's been telling for months. In fact, just days before Gannon's murder, she lost a teaching job in Colorado Springs because they found out she lied on her application. She was recently deemed competent to stand trial, despite her many efforts to prove she was insane. On March 11th, her anniversary, she will have her preliminary hearing. Leticia is charged with 13 counts in this case, including first-degree murder, child abuse resulting in death and tampering with a deceased human body and tampering with evidence. But despite her many attempts to outsmart or outlie or outrun justice, her day in court will be here soon. Meanwhile, the prosecution is building a case against her with hundreds of thousands of pages of discovery, including more than 100 search warrants, a 32-page affidavit transcripts from multiple bizarre interviews and changes to her story, proof that she constructed dozens of lies about her past, those red flag Google searches, and that purchase of a fake lie detector test that was so alarming that the company itself turned it over to the police. Now it's coming to light that, and I'm not casting blame, but merely to see what was happening behind the scenes that even caused Letitia to do this in the first place. But it does turn out that Al was having an affair. And no, it's not okay to murder a child out of revenge or spite or hate. And this is something that as a human being, if you are in a relationship with someone who you do not trust or someone where you feel like you're not being valued, then you leave. And of all things, you protect the children from this because they are not involved. This case isn't over. Gannon will get his justice and he will stay in our hearts. We will be there when the verdict finds her guilty. And they will. My heart goes out to Gannon and his family. He didn't deserve this. Thank you for listening to Monsters and Mothers. I'm Betty Wild. Tune in for more episodes of Seasons 2, Monsters and Mothers. Thank you for listening to Monsters and Mothers. Subscribe to hear more chilling accounts of mothers who commit unspeakable horrors.